You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. You can turn your Bibles over to the book of Matthew, chapter number 8. Matthew chapter number 8 this morning. You know, I believe today that if you have a biblical view of God, you have a vision of a big God, a powerful God, amen? I mean, an omnipotent, which means all-powerful, an omnipresent, meaning all-present, and an omniscient God, which means He knows it all. He knows it all. He sees the end from the beginning. Uh, This is the vision of the Lord that I keep before myself on a regular basis. I just think about the greatness of my God. And really, that's that's what I spend a a big part of my ministry, trying to remind Christians how big their God is because there's way too many Christians who go through this life imagining that their problems are bigger than God. Or that their sins are bigger than God. Now, they don't say that, and they don't maybe uh, realize that's their thought process, but I'm telling you, your life kind of tells on you. Because if you are a person who is filled with worry, you have an outlook as if your problems were bigger than God is, whether you realize it or not. So therefore, I spend a lot of time talking about how big God is, a biblical picture of God. He's a big God. He can do big things. Things. I like what the Bible says in Isaiah 40, verse 12. Listen to this. Oh, man, I left my jar back there in the back. Uh, anyway, uh, I did ain't that important. I had an illustration. I was going to fill it with water. and uh, Anyway, one thing led to another. Can you edit all this out, Michael? Uh, I wish I could edit live, too, don't you? I wish I could say, you know, go back, but I don't have that ability. Uh, but the Bible says, Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Now, what is he talking about there? Talking about the oceans, the waters of the earth. The Bible says he's measured them in the hollow of his hand. Can you imagine that? Just right there in his hand, measuring out the oceans. I missed. Man. Um, that's a big God. And the Bible goes on to say, not only did he measure out the water in the hollows of his hand, but he meted out the heavens with a span. That means a span in the Bible, that's an ancient measurement that just talks about from, the, from an average man's fingertips to his elbow is a span in the Bible, a form of measurement. But the Bible says when God meant to uh, let out to measure out the heavens, the universe, he just simply went, okay, this, this, this. It's infinite. It's, I mean, it's just trying to get you the idea of how big our God is. Uh, and it goes on to say uh, that, that He comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure. He can tell you how much dust there is on the earth. He weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Uh, Isaiah 40, verse 15, the Bible says, Behold, the nations are as a drop of a bucket. And if you ever, you know, it's interesting, by the way, when you realize how many phrases that are used in our culture that actually come from the Bible, drop in the bucket. But that's what, that's a biblical reference talking about for God. All the nations are just like a drop in the bucket to God. All the nations are a drop in the bucket and are counted as the small dust of the balance. Behold, he taketh up the isles as a very little thing. Bible says in Psalm 147, verse 4, He telleth the number of the stars, He calleth them all by their names. Now, here's the great thing I want to say about God. God is a big God. God can do big things. 
I mean, what's too big for God exactly? But kind of the point is, is the reason that God can do such big things is because for God there's really not that many big things. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to think of an illustration about this, and I was thinking about uh, the NFL Combine. So when guys are trying to show their tangibles for the NFL draft, how they should be drafted, they go through these certain measures. One of them is a strength, upper body strength measure of how many times you can bench 235 pounds. A bar with two plates on either side. How many times you can bench 235 pounds? Now, if I went around this room, there would be a number of men in here that could bench 235. Uh, but there's probably a lot that couldn't bench 235, men or women alike, right? I mean, so for you, you get down on there, and man, you're going to feel the 235 when you lay down on that bench uh, to push it. But I was looking up in the NFL Combine. I deleted this out of my notes. I wasn't going to say it. Uh, but there was a guy uh, back in 2011 that benched 235 pounds 49 times. I mean, just pumped it right out. Um, and uh, so for that, so for us, 235 pounds, most of us is pretty heavy. For some of you, it's just flat out impossible. But for that dude, he just goes out there and just kills it 49 straight times down to the chest up again, 235 pounds. Now, I know some of you guys may be able to do that, but that's still a combine record, okay? Uh, but uh, the, the, the point I'm just trying to make is that for us, that may be heavy, but for him, that's not that heavy. Now, for God, the big things aren't, uh, th th those big things aren't as big as they, there's not really a big thing to God. God never says, you know how you men may do, or maybe you ladies, depending on what the thing is, you've got a project and you're sitting there, hmm, this is going to be tricky, but I think we can do it. God never does that. God's never sitting there looking at something like, oh boy, this is a big one. No. See, for God, it's all small. If he can measure out the oceans in his hand, if he can measure the universe with the span, if he can count the dust, if he has all the stars named, not to mention the fact that he created it all, see, in, in, in truth, the big things, the impossible things, while big to us, aren't actually that big to God. In one sense, everything, now listen to this, in one sense, everything is small to God, but nothing is too small for God. Everything is small to God, but nothing is too small for God. In fact, the smallest things oftentimes matter the most. God gives us a number of illustrations in His creation. Among these are diatoms. Uh, and this is, uh, th that's how you spell the word diatom. A diatom is an extremely tiny plant, only about one quarter the diameter of a human hair, okay? Found in the drifting plankton of the oceans, one quart of seawater can contain one million diatoms. They're tiny. But these, these, the, the, these diatoms are marvels of complex architectural engineering. This is a closer look at a couple diatoms there. Again, these exist mostly in the ocean, uh, and they exist in uh, about one-fourth the size of a human hair. Very small. 
Uh, they have the unique ability to fashion intricate glass houses for themselves by using the silica found naturally in seawater. Not only are they intricately built, but they are found in all geometrical shapes and are symmetrical in three dimensions, having perfectly matched tops and bottoms that are held together until the plant dies and the two halves come apart. This is another picture of a, of a, of a bunch of diatoms. Aren't they beautiful little things, beautiful little creatures? Uh, but they're small. Uh, and... Uh, but so, do they matter? See, the cool thing is, look at God and His creation illustrating something so beautiful. And I thought about this. I was going to mention it later. But you think about, why would God make these this way? There is no sort of evolutionary advantage to them being beautiful and have straight lines and all this stuff. It's just the way God made them to be able to do. These are actual creatures. Uh, and again, a million of them would fit, fit uh, in a quart of water, uh, roughly. They're so small... So how long have these things been around until man finally was ever able to see one? Think about that. But God made them because He just liked them. He, he enjoyed what He did with these things, been the only one for several thousand years that could ever see what they were. But it's cool because these little things also serve a purpose. It is estimated that these diatoms actually provide between 20 and 40% of the world's oxygen. And uh, in addition to that, much of the petroleum reserves found today are in large part buried deposits of what seems to be diatom origins. Uh, and these things are like connected with plankton and all this. So when you see the whales coming across skimming the water, they're just eating millions and millions of these on a regular basis. Uh, but, uh, and so it's just kind of a cool thing. Life is literally made up of little things, isn't it? Life is literally made up of little things. Dr. Francis Collins, director of the Human Genome Project that mapped human DNA structure, said, think of DNA as an instruct instructional script, a software program sitting in the nucleus of the cell. Now, uh, some of you may or may not recognize this binary code. If I'm not mistaken, I believe Richard may have written a book or two on uh, binary code. Is that incorrect? Uh, but so, a computer program, binary code. Now, uh, this, you may not be able to look at that and make sense, but I can tell you whatever bit of that means. I'm totally kidding. I have no clue. Uh, I do not, I, I cannot program a computer. Uh, if I turn it on and get to where I'm going, I'm doing something well, I feel like sometimes. But, uh, but a computer program is made up of a series of ones and zeros. The sequencing and order of these ones and zeros is what makes the computer program work properly. DNA code, in the same way, uh, is made up of four chemicals. Now, this is a look at DNA code. DNA code is made up of four chemicals that's, uh, a, that's abbreviated A, T, G, and C. And much like the ones and zeros of binary code, these A, A, T, G, and C, these chemicals, these four chemicals are arranged in the human cell in different order. And the order in which they are arranged instructs the cell's action. DNA is actually constantly communicating. It's an amazing, uh, amazing invention, I mean, amazing creation. What's amazing is that, with, that within the tiny space of every cell, 
in your body this code. So the code, you know, TGC and on and on and just however it's arranged, in every cell of your body, there is, it's, it's three billion letters long. So, if you were just simply to list the first four letter of each base, if you were to take this information and have it in printed words, simply listing the first letter of each base would require over 1.5 million pages of text. And they even talk about if you could take and strand out the information. I encourage you to read more on DNA. It's really cool, as well as diatoms. But the point I'm trying to make is life is literally made up of little things. Little things that make a big, big difference. God is interested in little things. You can see why DNA is important. Dr. Collins, once again, the uh, director of the project, said it's humbling for me and awe-inspiring to realize that we have caught the first glimpse of our own instruction book, previously known only to God. So again, we have a God of the big things, but we've got a God also of the little things. We have a God to where we see illustrated in DNA. Folks, I want to tell you something about the small things. Your DNA is vital. I mean, it makes us who we are. It makes, it makes living possible. It makes anything possible. DNA, it's vital and very purposeful. Very purposeful. Folks, so the message today is simply this. Nothing is too small for God. Nothing is too small for God. When we think of the miracles that God performed, we often think about the parting of the Red Sea. Uh, maybe about Gideon defeating an innumerable army with a small handful of men. But if you stop and think about it, many of the miracles that take place in the Bible concern just one person. You know, for instance, he heals Naaman in 2 Kings chapter number 5. He raises the dead people just as individuals, Lazarus and so forth. The woman bound with the spirit of infirmity. Jesus healed the leper. There's, throughout the New Testament, we see examples of Jesus being directed toward individuals. With all the people in the world, he's just out there touching one person at a time and healing one person. His miracles perform oftentimes just an individual. He didn't do a lot that involved multitudes. He did some. But he healed individuals one at a time. Jesus shares something in the Gospel of Matthew that we need to remember as we walk with God. He says in Matthew chapter number 10 and verse number uh, 29, he says, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? And one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. I just got a question. I wonder how many saw birds in, when they were coming to church today? Either walking outside your house, I mean, probably all of us. fact of the matter is, not too many of us noticed them. Now, if it was an eagle or if it was a cardinal or a blue jay, maybe it caught our attention. But if it was just a little sparrow, we probably didn't think a whole lot about it. Probably wasn't too impressed. I, I mean, just in the general course of a day, I'm not very impressed with birds. I don't walk outside and say, ooh, there's a sparrow. Did you see that? Right? We generally don't do that. See, we see them every day going about their business, but we don't get too excited about them. And I'll be honest with you. I mean, I, maybe this sounds cold, but when I see a dead sparrow, I don't bat an eye. I don't care. There's a dead bird, right, Trey? 
You sit down and cry, oh my gosh, this sparrow just died. They're not very significant. <laughs> I mean, I don't care a lot about them. Uh, <laughs> but listen, God does. Every one of those, th those, these birds that you and I just totally ignored today, you, know, you want to know something? God has his eye on every one of them. He knows what's going on. He sees that old cat that hangs out in my old building waiting to try to get one. He sees it all. And every time one of those birds fall from the sky, you know what the Bible says? That not one of them can fall from, from the sky without our Father. I don't care about the little things. I'm glad for them. I understand. The, do you understand the bugs? I understand all that. I know they're great, and I know they're amazing creatures. Don't misunderstand me. But what I'm just saying is we don't tend to think much about them. God's watching every one of them. And not one of them can die without God being there with them. That's pretty awesome. But then he goes on to say, not one of them can uh, fall from the, to the ground without your father. But then he says this, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. Man, think about that. And I mean, you know, I got to think, some of you fellas are trying to make it easier on God. And I appreciate that. I'm just easy, all right. Uh, the very hairs of your head are numbered. How often does your hair fall out? And again, some of you guys got to speak there. You're like, I'm not worried about my hair falling out. Amen. I've got it taken care of. But God knows. Everybody, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. The very hairs of your head are all numbered. That's pretty awesome. What the Bible's just trying to simply say there is that you matter to God. And he's trying to illustrate that little things matter, small things. There's nothing too small for God. You know, I mean, so often I like to preach about there's nothing too big for God. But sometimes we forget that nothing's too small for God. Uh, and in fact, when you th consider that just for a moment, the problem a lot of times is not that we believe. It's not believing that God is too big or a problem is too big for God. But sometimes we can believe that a problem is too small for God. Anybody? Oh, I'm not going to bug God with that. Uh, right? Listen, some of us think that some of our problems or some things in our lives are too... Folks, there's nothing too small for God. He's watching that bird, but he's still got time to count my hairs. The very hairs of my head are numbered. The Bible says he, know, the Bible says he counts our thoughts in Psalm 139. He, he knows our thoughts. He, he has them numbered. He knows it all. And so we believe sometimes that God can do the big things, but sometimes we think that other things are too small for God. You may even think that you're too small for God. Okay, thank you. Uh, there was a blank. All right, I'll just leave that up there. Uh, so, if you go to the book of Matthew, chapter number 8, I want to close with this message this morning. Matthew 8, just to drive home this message, nothing too small for God. Matthew, chapter number 8, verse 14. Now, this is one of those miracles we rejoice about on a regular basis. I mean, we talk about it when we're having a hard time and we need to see God do something. We always turn to Matthew chapter 8, verse 14. I'm being a little facetious because we don't. But in Matthew chapter 8, verse 14, the Bible just simply says this. And when Jesus was coming to uh, Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she arose and ministered to him. This account is barely mentioned from the pulpit ever in regards to being overshadowed by all the amazing things that Jesus did. 
The only time I've ever heard it mentioned with any emphasis was just to emphasize what? That Peter had a mother-in-law, amen, which meant Peter was married, which meant that he was not uh, the first pope, amen, and, and that's a whole nother story. But I'm just making the point. That's the only time I think I've ever heard that verse mentioned in any kind of way. But here it is. He goes into Peter's house. He sees his mother-in-law laid sick of a fever. Now, again, it's barely mentioned because of all the great things that Jesus did. But I believe, folks, that this is a very noteworthy passage in the Bible this morning. Why? Because there's nothing too small for God. I want to get, see, so often I'm trying to get to you, man, there's nothing too big for God. But I'm going to try to get something else to you this morning. There's nothing too small for God. There's nothing too small for God. I mean, here it is. He arrived at Peter's house. No doubt for a bit of rest, perhaps a meal. And you'll just allow me to imagine, I mean, they're coming to his house, and, and the reason I imagine they're there for a meal is they're coming to Peter's house and the mother-in-law because as soon as she's well, she begins to get up and minister to them to provide food and stuff for them. Now, if you'll just imagine me to, to uh, use my imagination just here for a little bit. Um, now, I want you to understand and remember something about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Jesus is the Son of God. He is God the Son, 100%. But folks, He came to this earth and He took on a human body and became 100% man. So you know what that means? That means when Peter, when Jesus came to Peter's house, there's a very good chance that He was hungry. Jesus got hungry just like you get hungry. There's a good chance He was tired. Jesus gets tired, or got tired, he doesn't anymore, but Jesus got tired while walking this earth just like you get tired. <laughs> and I don't know, but the thing I can imagine is here they are going to Peter's house, and I can almost imagine that they were planning to eat at Peter's house. And I can imagine that maybe along the way that Peter is even talking to the fellows and just saying, man, you wouldn't believe how good of a cook my mother-in-law is. You ever, get, you ever get excited when you go to somebody's house to eat? I do. You ever get nervous when you go to somebody's house to eat? Uh, but I get excited to go eat at people's house. I get excited when, I, when just Friday, uh, somebody mentioned, hey, uh, Mel, I hear Melanie's planning on cooking a big meal on Friday evening. Man, I get excited. I like food. And so, no doubt, Peter's mother-in-law was a great cook. No doubt, man, she might have been a good baker too. By the way, for, for me, I mean, listen, I come from where the old timers used to say, uh, when you got done eating your meal, some of you may know this, but you get done eating your meal, and they would say this, save your fork. Save your fork. <laughs> now, why do you save your fork? Dessert's coming. Now, I know some of you think it's okay to wait a couple hours for dessert. <laughs> Folks, my motivation for getting through the meal is to get to dessert. I mean, I want it right now. Uh, I love it. And now you say, Preacher, this ain't in the Bible. I, maybe it ain't. But I'm just saying it, it could have happened. I know that she got up and began to minister to them and prepare food for them. So I just think that maybe that's why they were going there. You say, well, maybe they were just stopping by. Maybe they were. But when you preach, you tell it your way, okay? But I'm preaching right now, so I, I don't know. But here they go. They walk into the house. I've had, I've had uh, situations like this. They walk in the house and they don't smell no food on. Where's that, you know? Then they look over there and, well, there's uh, Peter's mother-in-law over there sick. She wasn't able to get up and cook. 
Now, again, I, I don't know, but I just can imagine something like that happening. But, you know, the, the fact of the matter, I'm just trying to say this, that Jesus, think about what he'd been doing. He's been having people come to him that have been blind, that are lame, that hadn't been able to walk, that have been separated from their families with leprosy. He's been out there raising the dead. He's been out there helping people with real problems. Now he comes into Peter's house, and there's his mother-in-law over there. Oh, what's wrong with her? She's got a fever. I just say that because that's how some people treat the small things, right? She's got a fever. Uh, but, you know, it was a small thing. But one of the things we see is that Jesus goes and touches her, and as soon as he does, the fever leaves. Now, I might get ahead of myself here, but the things I find a couple things interesting about this. Number one, I find it interesting that nobody asked him to heal her. She didn't ask for him to heal her. Now, again, I don't know, but I wonder if one reason they didn't ask is because I'm not really going to bother him with the fever. You know, give me some Motrin, let me rest, I'll be fine after a while. But no, Jesus just went over there and said, you know what? That may be small, but you know what? Healing the dead, I was about to say healing the dead, raising the dead, healing the sick is small for me too. I'm going to come and touch her and I'm going to come take her fever. Something small. It wasn't nothing huge. It wasn't nothing big. But I'm telling you what, it was enough for Jesus to care about. Oh, my friend, I, you know what? I, I often imagine things like this when things happen to people. One of the things that we do on Wednesdays, we do it a little bit, we did a little bit ago just a moment ago. But a lot of our Wednesday services that we have, 7 o'clock Wednesday night, we, they're, they're, we do a lot of praise in those services. You know, we allow people just to chime in. Man, what's God been doing for you this week? Man, and just people, it's just a great, great time of just, it's an encouragement. So I, what I imagine, though, is I imagine years after the events of Romans chapter number 8, maybe after Jesus is already resurrected, I imagine there at the church of Jerusalem, they're having a real special service. I mean, they advertise it. It's something you would just about pay to see. What is it? It's the, all the people that Jesus has healed while, during his earthly ministry, and they're going to be here sharing their stories with us at church this evening. I would go to see that. And I just imagine, so here I am, I'm imagining this praise service. And I can imagine as they begin to go through the praise service, I, I can imagine, you know, uh, maybe uh, a, a former a blind man stands up and says, man, I was without sight, but Jesus passed by and he healed me and restored my sight. And people are like, man, praise God. So inspiring, man, what a blessing. All of a sudden a lame man stands up and says, man, I was lame. And I'm telling you, there are some of you that are lame that need a miracle, I tell you. But, uh, but no, lame, it doesn't mean lame in that way. It means that he couldn't walk. It means that his legs didn't work. But here he is, man, God raised me up. People are like, wow. I mean, just like that? You know, I mean, you had to have, uh, you know, muscle atrophy. You had to have weakness. But no, no, it was all restored right there. And I just stood. Matter of fact, not only did I stand, but I was able to leap. I was able to jump. I was able to run. I was healed. And people were just like, praise God. That's wonderful. I mean, and, and they go on. And, and one says, I was a leper. The other one says, man, it was the woman that had that issue of blood for 12 years. Jesus was her final hope. And for the grand finale... They had the ones that had been raised from the dead speak. 
Then all of a sudden, one of the men gets the pastor's attention and says, uh, Pastor, you, for, you missed a lady right over here in the corner. Oh, ma'am, I'm sorry. I, uh, were, were, you, were you among those that were healed by the Lord Jesus? Yes, I was. Well, why don't you stand up and tell us what happened? And she just stands up and says, well, I got a fever. And they're like, okay. And I laid down because I didn't feel good. Okay, okay, where, where's this going? Jesus walked in and came over and touched me and took my fever. And people are like, thank you for sharing that, sister. Right? Now, I'm not saying that service ever took place, but I'm just trying to put into perspective how that that may not have seemed like a big thing to a lot of people, but I bet it meant something to her. I bet it meant something with the people in her house. And what I'm just trying to tell you, there's, there's nothing too small for God. You're not too small for God. Your life is not too small for God. He cares about you. He cares about the details. Now, and, and, and it's cool, you know, what, what happened? She got up and she was able to get up and serve. She got up and was a blessing to those around her with these small things. There was a purpose. There was a plan in it. But I just want to close this morning with just a few thoughts on what does this mean for you today? What does the fact that there's nothing too small mean for you? Number one, I believe that we need to learn that God cares about little worries. Little worries. The Bible says in Philippians 4, verse 6, be careful for nothing. It's, which literally means don't worry about anything. Nothing. That's how much we need to be worried about. Nothing. You think, you ever, you ever thought about, I, I love uh, uh, John chapter number 6. Or I'm sorry, Matthew chapter number 6. I love John 6 as well, but Matthew 6. Where, the, where Jesus, again, talks about, hey, I'm going to provide for those birds. I'm going to clothe the grass of the field. And if I'm going to do that, how much more am I going to take uh, care of you? So why, why do you need to take thought about what you're going to eat? What are you going to put on? And again, the idea there isn't like literally thinking, what am I going to wear today or what am I going to eat today? He's talking about worrying, anxiety. See, the fact that God cares about the little things means that he's got this. I'm in his, his hands. He's a big old God, but he's a big God that cares about the small things. Whatever it is in your life that may have you worried today, we need to learn to do what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 7, casting all your care upon him. Why? For he careth for you. Now, what is all your care? Oh, I'm not going to bother God with this little thing. You're missing intimacy with God. You're missing a closeness with God. You're missing Jesus coming and putting his hand on you. Amen? That's what you're missing when you're saying, I don't want to bother God with these little things. To be honest, we're such proud beings, I think sometimes we almost want to thump our chest out when we say that a little bit. We don't realize it. There's a little bit of pride involved in there. Well, you pray about that little stuff. I'm, I'm bigger and badder than that. I don't worry about that little stuff. Well, if we're not, we ought not to worry about the little stuff, but the motivation for not worried about the little stuff is that I've given it to the Lord. Uh, so, he cares about little worries. He, he's caring for them. I like that. And that, that kind of goes to the next point because the Bible goes on to say there in Philippians chapter 6 and into verse number 7, uh, it says that he cares about our little prayers. 
So, because the Bible says, be careful for nothing, but he says, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. But I, I'll say that again. But in everything by prayer. Everything. First Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. See, here's one of the great things about nothing being too small for God and God caring about all my cares. What do you go through on a daily basis? That pray without ceasing, to me, God caring about all the small things and praying without ceasing go together. Because I get up in the morning and I'm like, Lord, help me, I'm running late. Or, Lord, where's my shoes? Or, Lord, my plantar fasciitis is killing me today. You ought to see me after I, I sit for a while. I, I walk like this, man. My feet just, um, I'm not going to bother God. Well, he's right there with me anyway. I might as well just tell him, Lord, my foot hurts. Worried about my dog. Natalie just got a lizard. Worried about my lizard. I mean, talk to the Lord about the small things. I'm telling you right now, you're missing out if you're not letting God get in on the small things of your life. You, you may bore. I, I, man, I, me and Michael were talking about this the other day. There's a blessing and a curse to being a talker. The blessing is usually I like to talk. The curse is people don't normally like to listen to me, all right? <laughs> but another part of it is there are honestly times. Here, so, some of you people, you've you got to show some mercy toward people like us. If you're not like me, you've got to show some mercy. Because there's times I really want to stop. But it's like my break has gone out, man. And I'm just rolling down here. And I'm, I kid you, there's times I'm in conversation. There's times I'm up here preaching. And in my mind, I'm just like, stop it, shut up, just cut it off. I'm talking to you, and gradually, if you're a talker, will you please learn to read body language? I'm trying to learn. When people start doing this, and this, okay, all right. They're not trying to say, will you please chase me? There's some of you talkers like it. It's like I learned as a kid. Don't ever run from a dog because they'll chase you. Right? Anyway, uh, oh, all I'm simply saying is this. <laughs> Don't start. You're going to get me laughing, Trey. Uh, I'm just trying to say that God cares about the little things. And that don't, don't think that you're bothering God. Other people may not want to hear what I got to say. But God wants to hear what I have to say. Amen? Talk to Him. And some of you say, yes, yeah, so you just talk to Him more and less to me maybe. But the point is, God cares about these little things. Pray about everything. God cares about our little worries. He cares about our little prayers. He cares about our little desires. He cares about our little desires. Lord, I sure would like to wrap up work a little early today. I'd like to get home and, you know, rest or watch a game or go do this. Talk to the Lord. You're out at the shooting club, you know. Lord, I, man, I, God, I'd like to have a good round tonight. Just help, help me to stay focused, you know. I mean... Pray. You say, God don't care about shooting club. Do you care about shooting club? God cares about shooting club. You care about those horses? God cares about those horses. You care about your job? God cares about your job. See what I'm saying? Does it matter to you? It matters to God. It matters to God. The Bible says we have not a high priest which can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. I mean, he feels our weaknesses. He cares about our little, little worries, our little desires, our little prayers, our little disappointments. Yeah. 
Talk to God about it. I mean, He's there. If you're saved, He's with you. He cares about the little things. Uh, I want you to go back just for a moment as I try to close out this morning. And I want you to think about those diatoms again. I, I mentioned this when we were talking about them. Those little beautiful, you know, uh, glass-in-shaped uh, creatures that God made. God knew that, that man would not see those until very recently. But he did those and made those beautiful works for his own pleasure. No one would have dreamed that they would be making such a huge impact on the world. And I'm telling you, this is just a message about God being able to do the small things and God caring about the small things. There's a lot of other messages we could say about small things, the small sins. The Bible says, he that's faithful in little is going to be faithful in much. But don't miss out on the little things. Don't miss out on getting God involved in the little things. In 1 Samuel 17, God used a little shepherd with a little sling and a little stone to bring down a giant. He cares about little things. In, a, in, in the book of 1 uh, 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 Kings, uh, the Bible uses Elijah, 2 Kings, I'm sorry, uh, Elijah. And over there he uses Elijah, and when, and when he's about to bring the rain, the Bible says there's a cloud about, that's like a man's hand, a small, he just used a small cloud. In John 6, the Lord used a little lad with a little basket and a little lunch to feed 5,000 people. The Bible says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. How many things? All of them, even the little things. Jesus said in Matthew 17, 20, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say to this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. You just need something small. Nothing is too small for God. Amen.